Many of you are wondering what it's going to take for BYU to bounce back in 2024 and get back to bowl eligibility and obviously compete in the Big 12. Well, the groundwork for that is being laid right now. I've got news and notes on the BYU football program over a week into school starting. We're also talking BYU basketball. The Cougars, ranked number 20, host the number 24-ranked Iowa State Cyclones in the Marriott Center. It's like it's 2013 all over again. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. By way of introduction, this is your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. And today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Make every moment more with our friends at FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. All right, as I tease in the open, let's talk some BYU football. Now, a lot of the stuff going on for BYU football right now is the nuts and bolts portion of what every football program goes through at the start of a year, essentially. Now, BYU reported uh, four off-season workouts last week. They've been going through those seemingly every day with the strength and conditioning staff, and the groundwork for BYU in 2024 is being laid right now. I'm not going to mince any words about that because these off-season workouts are the chance for guys to get bigger, faster, and stronger, quite literally, and get the work uh, underneath their belts that doesn't go by the wayside when it comes to the season. Many of you I will recall that Connor Pay has been on this podcast talking about the fact that the off-season is when you put in the most work in terms of transforming your body, obviously getting the, the weight where you want it to, in his case as an offensive lineman, your strength numbers, and the like. In all honesty, when it comes to the actual season, during the months of August, uh, September, October, and November, you really, as a as a player, as Connor has kind of alluded to, you're just holding on for dear life, hoping that the numbers that you had in the offseason, what you did all the work in January, like right now, what you did in February, and then during the summer, etc., those all hold up, and those help you uh, take the next step as a football player, and by extension, hopefully help the football program take the next step. And that's the thing about this right now, is that it's not a very glamorous time. And in fact, I've talked with the enough football players in my 13 years. It's a crazy thing. I've been doing this for 13 years, folks, covering the BYU football program on a professional basis. It's crazy to consider that. But nonetheless, uh, the conversations I've had with players over the years is that off-season workouts, and in particular this time of year in January when it's those dog days of winter workouts, they are the least glamorous and the least fun for every football player because there's no real reward of having spring ball on the horizon. There's no reward of knowing that training camp is just a couple of weeks off and then the season a few weeks beyond that, and you're off and rolling in the season. Right now, it's day after day workouts, lifting weights, running, doing plyometrics, uh, doing the different things that the strength and conditioning coaches have tr- uh, have just come up uh, with with for their workouts every single day, and it's an absolute grind. But this is the period of time, as I mentioned, when players get the best and they get the most improvement in their game. It's crazy to consider that because there's no little skill development going on per se. There is some limited skill development. That will be eva- eva- uh, not evaluated, allowed by the NCAA for coaches to come in 
uh, speaking to the position coaches and work with their position groups, but mostly a lot of it is the strength and conditioning staff getting these guys right, getting their bodies right, transforming those bodies, and then obviously upping their speed, their strength, and obviously their athleticism going into 2024. All of us want to see BYU bounce back in 2024, and I believe that they have the capability of doing so because, honestly, the, the conversations with Connor Pay, etc., indicate that this is a very, very hungry football program, and they want nothing more than to go out there and prove that they are a better team than the 5-7 and seven record they put on the field this past year. And a lot of people will tell you the record is what you are, and when you're 5-7, and seven, that's a losing football season. That's not what BYU wants to be known as. In conversations with folks, BYU has already voted their team captains for the offseason, and the crazy thing about this is, and I don't have specific names, but I had a conversation with somebody who indicated that four of the captains for BYU in this offseason, and the number of however many captains there are, I would imagine there's more than like five or six six. There's four from one position group, but four of the uh, captains for this offseason for BYU come from the safety group. Consider that. The BYU safeties last year were hit maybe the most of every position group in terms of injuries, and it was a walking mash unit for most of the season. But the respect I think each one of those players garnered from their play when they were on the football field has obviously inspired their teammates because this is a team decision. Each player sits down and writes down who he wants as team captains, uh, and that, then they are rewarded with that opportunity. And four safeties. Uh, it's a pretty inordinate number of safeties coming from one position group to be captains, but I think it's the tip of the cap uh, to guys in a position group, like I said, that was hard hit due to injury, but still kind of just kept doing their thing. Jay Hill is a phenomenal position coach. Think about how many guys he had to really coach up literally on a week-by-week basis at points to get them game ready and get them to produce at a pretty high level all season long. And I think that that has garnered the respect of their teammates, speaking of this safety group, and it's it's awesome to see. Now, these these captains will be expected to lead BYU forward here through the offseason. They're the ones that, are, in terms of the player accountability, you hear Kalani Sitake talk all the time about wanting to have accountability from the players and have it being a player-run uh, program, well, guess what? These captains, they've got to set the tone for that. You've got to have uh, the ability to, A, lead from the front. There's no pushing from the rear when you're a captain in, in college football. You've got to be doing the most workouts, if not every workout, and obviously uh, be showing your teammates what it means to be a leader. Like I said, you've got to lead from the front, and you can't push from the rear if you want to be a leader. The other thing about this is is if players are slacking off, whether it's in your own position group as a captain or if it's any player on the football program that you notice, maybe, uh, take, maybe taking this a bit lackadaisical and not necessarily putting their all into this period of time, that's when you got to set the accountability and, uh, and go and make sure that the standard is being upheld inside the BYU football program. Program. Now, that's much easier said than done. There's a lot of guys out there who are not quote-unquote vocal leaders but have to force themselves in circumstances to be just that. So I'm looking forward to this, and I look forward to seeing how BYU's tone for the season is set right now. The work going in right now, as I mentioned, is going to set the groundwork for any success that BYU hopes to have in 2024. I'm very excited uh, for the return missionary class that's coming into BYU. Those guys, a number of them have enrolled and are working 
working out with the team right now, how quickly can they get the mission rust off their legs and contribute? Because you have guys like a Cody Hagan who's expected back for next season along with Dominique McKenzie at the wide receiver position. You have other offensive linemen like Joe Brown and Trevor Pay. How quickly can all these guys get back and get back into shape and how quickly can they contribute to the BYU football program? That would go a long way to helping BYU kind of take that next step in 2024, improving from a 5-7 and seven season and obviously a five-game losing streak to end that campaign. They want to get that uh, bad taste out of their mouth, and it's going to take work. So the work right now is important, but I really do think it's kind of cool in many respects that the safety position got that much respect from their teammates. Now, in terms of uh, names of captains, I don't have those, and if I do come across them and I'm able to uh, get that information, I'll be happy to pass it along. But I've got a sneaking suspicion that our good friend Connor Pay, if he's not a team captain, I'd be frankly stunned that he wasn't uh, named a team, team captain because that guy has been, uh, like I said, a leader from the front. He is a guy who is the consummate leader of that offensive line group for BYU and I think the improvement we all hope for in particular from that offensive line unit well it's going to take guys like Connor Pay I think Braden Kime also in that mix they're going to have to step up Waylon Lapuaho also and show the guys okay this is where we failed last year and this is where we need to improve to succeed in 2024 so don't expect a t- necessarily a ton of information from BYU football this time of year, but uh, I wanted to pass that along to you guys because I think it's a pretty impressive thing that BYU uh, has uh, rewarded these players with those captain, uh, I guess the captain season, I can wear them on their uh, workout clothes, but uh, they will have those. They have that responsibility this offseason, and it's a very, very important thing because once again, I'll just reiterate this. It is an important time of year. This is when the, all of the, the extra push you make in the fourth quarter of games late into the season in late October and into November. Well, guess what? When you're getting tired and down on your luck, the work that the players put in right now is going to yield benefits down the road, even if it is months and months away at this point. All right, coming up here in just a minute, let's flip over and talk some BYU basketball. The Cougars back in action tonight. Uh, They dropped to number 20 in the rankings, a little bit uh, actually not as far as a fall as I thought they were going to, dropping just two spots in the AP poll, but they welcome a fellow uh, Big 12 member who is now in the rankings in Iowa State to the Marriott Center tonight. And as I mentioned in the open, feels like it's 2013 all over again. We'll explain what that means for those of you who do not know coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Jace Medical. I know all of us uh, want to come uh, to sports podcasts like this to escape from real life and the realities of life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin, and of course right now it's cold and flu season. It's obviously a scary proposition uh, when that happens. I couldn't imagine a more helpless feeling that if one of my loved ones needed an antibiotic like amoxicillin or something like that and a supply chain issue disrupted the chance for me to get that life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, we're all going to be okay because we have a Jace case in my food storage and my emergency uh, preparedness uh, stuff at my house. Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics. You get a long list of bacterial infections, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin fe- skin infections, among many other things that it can help with. The best part is this stuff could happen. Uh, not the, I say the best part, but this stuff literally could happen to any of us. And of course, Jace Medical wants to help you guys out to avoid any of that and have you prepared down the line. So visit Jace 
Medical.com and complete your physician encounter today. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today, so go to JaceMedical.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. Once again, that's JaceMedical.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at UCCU. Learn and earn. The Utah Community Credit Union mobile banking app is paying your entire family to learn about money. Think about that. They're paying you to learn about money. It's a great way to go about it, my friends. They want to break down financial topics, and they do it with learn and earn into fun, bite-sized educational games like quizzes and trivia. I have been uh, doing this since the new year, and I am just, it uh, feels like maybe a couple lessons away from getting my first gift card. And when I say well, gift card, each time a family member completes a topic with learn and earn, you earn points at accruing career for gift cards to many uh, retailers like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and many, many more. There's age-appropriate content for every member of the family. Y'all can compete against one another and track your progress on leaderboards as well. And the best part is Learn and Earn is inside the UCCU mobile banking app, so you can play at any time, anywhere. The more you play, the more you learn, and of course, the more you learn, the more you earn. It's all courtesy of your friends at UCCU, and uh, check it out. It's part of their Be Money Smart Youth Banking program, helping kids, teens, and parents have fun while becoming more financially literate together. It's all courtesy of your friends at UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. If you've not done so already, please consider subscribing up for our subtext community. It's a great way to communicate with the show. Obviously, appreciate every single one of you guys out there who is a, a, a subscriber to it already. But if you have not subscribed yet, please consider doing so. It gets you insider intel that I pass along to our subtext community exclusively. And the best part is it comes in the form of a text message to your phone. You reply to that text message, and I'll see it right away. It's a really, really fun way to interact with the show. 14 days free trial and then just $5 a month after that if you want to continue on we we'll love nothing more than for you guys to be involved with it and like I said join a growing group of I guess our I guess, I'll call you super fans why not super fans or GFOPs as, a, as our friends over at Men and Blazers call you good friends of the podcast appreciate all the support and if you have not done so already hit the link below it's in the show notes whether you're listening to this in the audio format or watching it on YouTube uh, the link is in the show notes join us today and obviously get uh, with us on the subtext community with Locked On Cougar All right, so... BYU basketball in action tonight. They dropped to number 20 this week in the rankings, but they are now one of eight Big 12 teams that's ranked in the top 25 this week, folks. This is the best basketball conference in the country, bar none. It's awesome to see, and BYU's right in the thick of it. Got a big win on Saturday over UCF to get themselves into the win column in Big 12 play, and now have a chance tonight when Iowa State comes to town to right this ship and get back to 500 in Big 12 play. Now, this is an interesting matchup because Iowa State is a defensive-centric team, similar to a a Baylor or a UCF where they really want to slow it down and make life miserable for you. The thing about this was the Big 12. There's a lot of elite defensive teams in this conference, none more so than Iowa State and Houston, it feels like. Those two have been ranked in the top five in terms of pretty much all defensive metrics all season long. I think they were 1-2 for a little while there, if not uh, just maybe last week they were 1-2 in those rankings, if I recall correctly, but BYU has got one of the more prolific offenses, if you will, according to the numbers, in the Big 12. So this comes down to, it feels like, can BYU's offense overcome Iowa State's defense, or is, def- is the Iowa State defense, the Cyclones defense, going to be, be able to stifle BYU on their home court? 
I'm hoping it's more of the former, but the latter is very much a real possibility because this is an Iowa State team that is allowing opponents to shoot just 38%, uh, just a shade over 38% from the field overall this season. That's not a great number. That's a great defensive number if you're the Iowa State Cyclones, but BYU is going to have to overcome that. The nice part is BYU is back in the home uh, friendly confines of the Marriott Center, expecting to have a pretty good-sized crowd uh, on hand. I'm not expecting a sellout because I keep seeing a bunch of uh, tweets on social media from Greg Rebell and others saying that there are a number of seats available. I want to give a big shout out to our good friend uh, Bud who's a member of the subtext community who's going to tonight's game uh, with our tickets from Locked On Cougars. I bought a pair for the season and been rewarding our subtext uh, community as a way to send you guys out to the games and Bud will be going out there so enjoy that but this is a huge opportunity for BYU. You get back to 500 in a Big 12 play, you notch yet another quad one win. The crazy thing about this is we talk all about quad one wins and what those are for those of you who may not be paying attention the NCAA has a thing called their net rating and now they have put this out there put puts together a bunch of metrics and spits out the rankings in terms of what they call the net ratings those are the best teams uh, top to bottom in the country and they spit them out on a weekly basis if not sooner than that and BYU has been in the top 15 if not the top 10 all season long seemingly and Iowa State right there with them so this is a big Big opportunity for BYU, and it's not going to be an easy game because Iowa State's coming in here thinking, okay, we got these guys on lockdown because they got huge wins last week. They picked up a pair of wins last week in Big 12 play, taking down, let's see, I'm going to check this. Yeah, they took down number two Houston at the time, uh, 57-53 to on Tuesday, and then blew out Oklahoma State on Saturday. So they're 2-1 and one in Big 12 play. They lose their Big 12 opener at Oklahoma, 71-63, to and Oklahoma is ranked 11th in the country. The Big 12 is going to be an absolute bloodbath all season long. As I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, BYU was the lone road team last week to a lone road team last Saturday to have won a road game in Big 12 play. All the other teams, home teams won. So the biggest thing I feel like for BYU right now is hold serve on home court. What I mean by that is win your home games. Yes, you did lose that one to Cincinnati, so I put you behind the eight ball a little bit here, but you cannot afford to lose this one to Iowa State, it feels like, and keep pace with the rest of the Big 12. Dropping to 1-3 and three in Big 12 play feels a lot different than being at 2-2 two and two and really kind of in the thick of things in the Big 12 race. I'm not anticipating BYU to be a Big 12 contender this year. It'd be great if they turned it on and really became that, but right now, I'm expecting BYU BYU to kind of settle in around 500 for Big 12 play. But this is a game against Iowa State that is a chance for you to kind of right some of the wrongs you took from that Cincinnati game. It felt like against UCF, BYU learned their lessons from the Cincinnati and then obviously the Baylor losses and found a way to get the win over UCF. Now, can you do a similar type thing? You will have the home crowd behind you tonight, obviously, and you cannot afford to have the the scoring or the, the, I'm saying the, the scoring, yeah, the scoring droughts that you have had at points this season, especially at home. Remember, against Cincinnati, I think there are three or four, no, there are at least four uh, droughts of at least two minutes plus of BYU not scoring uh, at points in that game. That's a bigger reason why they lost that game. Now, the final 10 minutes became an absolute debacle. We all know that. And leaving a guy who is as hot as Trevin Nell was on the bench for as long as he did, but I, I think Mark Pope has learned his lesson on that side of things. And like I said, I think BYU as a program learned a lot from those first two losses in Big 12 play. 
and now this is your first chance back at home to show that you can uh, go out there and get the win. The The road and the home slate for BYU is not going to be easy. The, all these Big 12 games are going to be dogfights, and you just got to find a way if you're BYU. It'd be great to see BYU shooting touch return. Now, they went 9 of 26 from 3 against UCF, and as uh, Jay Drew pointed out, it was the first time this season BYU won a game making uh, less than 10 three-pointers in this game. The other thing about it is BYU has got a stated goal of uh, hoisting up at least 35 three-pointers in a game. This is a game that Iowa State, I think, comes in is going to absolutely try and slow things down and make sure that BYU doesn't get to that number. And obviously, uh, these two programs, some of you might recall, their last meeting in uh, 2013, uh, we got uh, the eye gouge. Remember, it was crazy, crazy stuff. Eric Mika got gouged by it was DeAndre Kane, if I recall correctly, in that one. And then uh, Melvin, uh, yeah, Melvin Edgem, uh, I think, was the other player that got ejected from this game. Yeah, Melvin Edgem ed- apologized after uh, he fouled out of this game. And you know, BYU fans and student section in particular, when an opposing player fouls out, they do that famous left, right, left, right chant. Well, Melvin Edgem got to the bench, just kind of put his hand up, and I don't think I don't recall if I saw it live, but it was very clearly pointed out that he flipped the finger to the BYU student section. He apologized after the game, saying that the students found a way under my skin. He was very sorry for his emotions to get the best of him. Now, 2013 and 2024, that's 11 years removed, but this has got the makings of one of those games that could shape up as as one that could define BYU's run here in the Big 12. Can you defend your home court? Because as I said, you've got to be able to hold serve in Provo and pick up any road wins you can. Honestly, that win over UCF, that road win over UCF is going to serve BYU very, very well. It feels like if they can continue to do their thing at home and maybe pick up a road win here or there along the way as well. But it just feels like the Big 12, the way things are shaking out right now, and I know that we're just now four games into Big 12 play, and there's there's 14 more to go beyond this. But the way things are shaking out right now is the best teams, the teams that are going to finish in the top half of the conference, are the teams going to win the vast majority of their home games and probably still a road win here and there. The nice part is BYU's already gotten a road win this season. Now can you get your first home win and really get back into the thick of things at 2-2, two and two, 500 on the uh, conference record? Because, like I said, the 1-3 and three thing makes you feel like, okay, maybe there's a little bit more of a paper tiger for BYU basketball than we thought. If they're 2-2 two and two and they've beaten a top 25 team, in Iowa State, well, that would indicate that this is a program that has learned its lesson, as I mentioned. Uh, those two losses to Cincinnati and Baylor coming in different uh, circumstances, but different things that uh, plagued them in those games, they learned from against UCF. Prove that you've learned and they're going to be able to continue kind of keeping that momentum from that UCF game as you come home to face off against Iowa State. The other thing about this is BYU with these Tuesday games, a little bit of a disadvantage because they do not practice on Sundays. They may watch some film and whatnot, but they don't have actual on-court work. So BYU really only gets one day of work before they play once again coming off that UCF game against Iowa State. Is that going to work to their advantage? Is it going to work to their detriment? We're going to find out, but I do look forward to this game. I've got a feeling the BYU is going to carry some of that momentum forward here from UCF, and I'm hopeful that they will be able to uh, get the job done because it would uh, really, I think, engender a lot of good feelings for BYU if they can get back to 500 in the conference, and obviously they have a big road trip to Texas Tech on Saturday, uh, so it just it feels like you've got to get this one today. I feel like if you can split games every week, and that uh, may be too far of a stretch for BYU with regards to Big 12 play, but if you can go 1-1 one and one each week in many respects, you're probably going to be an NCAA tournament team. Now, if you start having some 0-2 weeks, well, that's a different story, and if you start going 2-0, and 0, that's a really different story. 
But that's kind of got to be the goal right now. We've pointed out before the conference slate began that 9-9 nine and nine for BYU in Big 12 play. So essentially, you just split games every single week in Big 12 play. That would get you to 500, and that would put you firmly in the NCAA tournament field. And the fact that the Big 12, 8 of their 14 teams, and so more than half of the league right now, is ranked in the top 25, that is going to indicate you're going to have a lot of opportunities to bolster your resume. And even those quote-unquote quality losses, well, there's going uh, to be plenty of those available as well. So... Looking forward to this game tonight. We'd love for you guys' predictions on it. You can drop them in the notes below or send us to send them to us on uh, via social media as well. But I've got a feeling BYU grinds this one out. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game, similar to what happened against UCF. I can see BYU. If they, if, I'll just say this. If BYU gets above 75 points in this game, I think they win this game going away. Now, if you drop into the 60s, that's where it gets a little bit dicey in my mind with regards to BYU's chances. So, like I said, the big edge to this game is BYU's offense going to beat Iowa State's defense, or is the Iowa State Cyclone defense going to stifle BYU's offense? And I'll go a long way to determining who's going to win tonight's game. And it can really break down as simple as that, but we'll see. It'll be interesting, and I'm looking forward to the crowd out there at the Marriott Center and obviously uh, checking things out as another top 25 team makes a trip to Provo. That's the fun part about the Big 12, just a real quick aside. How many top-level teams are we privileged to see out here in Provo, Utah, as members of the Big 12 Conference? It is a really, really fun thing to have in BYU's back pocket. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll finish up today's edition of the show with a couple of notes on BYU sports, a couple of awards handed out, a big tournament won by a BYU golfer, and also a preferred walk-on opportunity offered uh, to a kid that I think is severely underrated when it comes to high school football here locally in the state of Utah. We'll get to all of that right here on Locked on Cougars. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Now, FanDuel has obviously been here with you guys all season long when it comes to the NFL. They want to let you guys have some more fun with the NFL playoffs ongoing. There's still time to get in on the action with our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sports mode. Right now, you can get $150 as a new customer in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The best part is the app is super easy to use. they got a bevy of different ways for you guys to bet, whether it's money line, spread, player props, uh, you like a uh, certain a matchup, whatever you want to go for. They got that available to you guys in terms of the simple stuff. They also have live same game parlays. You can find bets in their new explore tab and also make a parlay in the parlay hub, the best way to find popular parlays on the website as well. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on and get started today and have some fun and make your first bet a layup. Once again, five bucks, get you 150 bucks, win or lose. Simple as that. Courtesy of your friends at FanDuel. Once again, that's fanduel.com slash locked on and it's all courtesy of your friends at FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at the Locked On Sports Today YouTube channel. If you've not checked this out already, my friends, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. It is here for you 24-7 and covering the top stories in sports with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel right now. Now, all right, before we go on today's show, congratulations to the BYU women's gymnastics team. They finished in second place uh, with a 195.775 at the fifth annual Best of Utah meet on Monday at the Maverick Center. Uh, the University of Utah, the Red Rocks, the dominant force that they are, won that meet, but a good showing for BYU to finish in second place there. Uh, just a, a day after, essentially, that they uh, took place in that uh, quad event, the collegiate quad event on Saturday night. Uh, BYU now heads to Iowa State for their first Big 12 matchup that will be 
be this Friday at 6.30 Mountain Time inside the Hilton Coliseum out there in Ames, Iowa. So best of luck uh, to Guard Young and his squad as they head that way. Also, congratulations to BYU men's golfer Cooper Jones. He won the 2024 St. George Amateur with back-to-back rounds of 65, finishing 16 under at the event. Really, really good showing for this young man. He's going to be one of the uh, real key players, or I guess key golfers, I should say, for BYU men's golf this year. He carded 18 birdies over the two-day tournament at the St. George uh, Golf Club. So congratulations uh, to Jones on that win. And obviously, uh, he'll be looking to kind of parlay that into the upcoming spring season for BYU men's golf. Now, the final note I got for you guys on today's show, something I missed over the weekend and caught up on Monday. But that is that uh, Laakea Kalama from Skyridge High School has received a preferred walk-on offer from BYU. He announced that Fessy Satake had offered them that over the weekend. Now, if that last name sounds familiar, his older brother Jaron, who prepped at Wasatch High School up in Heber, Utah, uh, signed with BYU a couple of years ago and has been serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints since that time. Now, Jaron Kalama was everything you wanted in a wide receiver prospect. Six foot three, 200 plus pounds, crazy production at the high school football level. Well, Laakea Laakea, I think, gets overlooked because he's not as big as his brother. Laakea is listed at 5'11". I had a chance to catch up with him. If you want to go back, there was an interview I did with him back in August, if I recall correctly, after I called a high school football game involving Skyridge. We talked about that at the time. He had an offer from Navy, but he'd been kind of off and on talking with teams. He said BYU had reached out to him about potentially playing maybe a, a running back role for them. Well, if Fessy Satake is offering him a preferred walk-on offer, that means that BYU sees him likely playing wide receiver if he decides to take opportunity to join the BYU football program. The one thing I like about, they call him La'a for short, but one thing I like about La'a a lot is the fact that he is uh, unafraid of making big plays. He doesn't let his smaller frame uh, dissuade him from making uh, big plays out there on the football field. He dealt with a number of injuries this year for Skyridge, but did return to help them lead, help lead the Falcons uh, to the 6A title game, which they lost to Corner Canyon, but he has got the ability to be a guy that BYU would be happy to have as a walk-on to develop a little bit further. Uh, against American Fork in the semifinals, he had six receptions for 83 yards and three touchdowns, just showing off kind of the skill set he has. He's more of a slot receiver type. Think of uh, Parker Kingston, more in the mold of like the Jurgens uh, twins. If you remember Mitch, who obviously does the sidelines now for BYU uh, radio broadcasts on the football side of things. That's more of what Laakea Kalama brings to BYU. But the other thing I like about him is he has got the ability to return kicks if, if needed as well. Now, that's kind of a hit and miss thing because there are guys who are great at it at the high school level. Think of uh, uh, Caleb Christensen, by the way, and uh, I should also add that Caleb Christensen has officially entered the NCAA transfer portal, uh, looking for another opportunity to play elsewhere for the BYU football program. This is the second time in as many years that he has entered the transfer portal. He went in the portal last year and ultimately returned to BYU and played this year as a reserve uh, for BYU. But uh, as many of you might recall, uh, Caleb was a prolific uh, kick returner. I think he owns the state record for kick return touchdowns in Utah high school football history and then really never was able to translate that to BYU to any meaningful degree. We'll see if Law can be the type of returner that BYU needs him to be, but Honestly, this feels like it's a very low-risk, potential high-reward option to bring him in alongside his brother. Uh, he did have an offer, as I mentioned, from Navy, so he still could opt to uh, pursue that opportunity with the Naval Academy if that offer still stands. But I think this would be a very, very savvy pickup for BYU because when Law was on the field for Skyridge over the past couple of years, and I've called, I think, at least four or five games for Skyridge in the prep seasons of the last two years, he's a guy that always stood out to me when I was watching uh, Skyridge play football, and I think it would be a really, really savvy pick 
pickup for BYU to bring him in, uh, no matter what, because I think this would be a nice thing to keep the Kalama family, uh, that pipeline, in with uh, BYU. But we'll see what what happens. Uh, We'll see if he ultimately takes BYU up on that preferred walk-on opportunity and uh, see if he continues to show what he's capable of in a BYU uniform. All right. Uh, that's what I got for you guys on a Tuesday. So uh, big thank you once again for you guys' support of the podcast. As always, thank you for making it your first listen of the day. Obviously, a big thank you to all of you for uh, being everydayers who uh, join us every single day here on the podcast. Uh, love doing this show and appreciate all of your guys' support. And I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your day right here on the Locked on Cougars podcast.